guys, welcome to the Take a Seat, Not a Side podcast with your hosts, Kelsey and Brian. This is the podcast where we ask you to take a seat, but not a side. Unless it's mine. No, mine. Welcome back to the podcast. We just got off the lake and we didn't just get off the lake. We saved lives today. We did save lives today. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that dramatic. There was a boat that was stalled. So Kelsey paddled over there in a little kayak and asked if they needed help. And we were going to try towing them to shore at first, but then we figured why not work smarter, not harder. And we kayaked over to a different boat that was across the lake uh, a little ways and asked them to go tow them instead. And they did. And everyone, everyone was happy. I was mostly concerned about the dog on board. You know, it was probably getting hungry, thirsty, stuck in the middle of the lake. That's on their boat. We did not take our dog today for the first time this year. Uh, <laughs> the last time we tried to take her, she fell in the water and didn't appreciate it. So we figured we'd leave her at home today. And good thing, it was really, really windy today. Yeah, it would have been hard controlling a dog while paddling against the wind. Our original plan was to go live and do the beer battles on Facebook Live. Um, there's no way. Not in, not with those waves. Not with those waves and not with the wind in the background. You probably wouldn't have even been able to hear us during it. But we are doing our second round of Beer Battles and Seltzer Showdown. Um, We are going to do it a little differently than we originally planned. So, Brian, do you want to break it down? Yeah, and just instead of doing like a Survivor series, like where winner stays and loser goes home, and the next week the winner plays as someone new, uh, we are doing like an Elite Eight. So I had two beers last week, Louis Demise and Fat Tire. Louis Demise won, so it advanced. Um, now, this week, I have two different beers. I have Sam Adams Summer Ale and Oberon. So I'll have these two go against each other today, and we'll see what... And we'll see how we can change the rules for next week. <laughs> <laughs> so with the way that we're playing it now, the first round will yield four winners. And then two of those winners will go against each other, and the other two will go against each other to yield two winners, which will play in the championship for each respected battle. I have two White Claws for this week's battle, and they're both flavors I have not tried before. So I've tried a lot of White Claws, but one is Pineapple which isn't necessarily a flavor I would typically gravitate towards, but either is the other one, which is White Claw Surge, which must be a different type of White Claw. It's a little more alcohol, so maybe that's why. And that's Blood Orange. Once again, two flavors that I did not even know existed in the White Claw world, so... And one's clearly a little bit different because it's a bit of a stronger White Claw, so I'm looking forward to trying those. And for me, if you listened last week, you know that my favorite beer is Sam Adams Boston Lager. So whoever wins my bracket is going to go head-to-head with Boston Lager at the end of this. So I figured why not throw another Sam Adams beer in here and see if we can have a Sam versus Sam showdown. Um, This is Sam Adams Summer Ale. It's described on the bottle as this bright citrus wheat ale is summer in a glass. Bursting with orange, lemon, and lime peels, summer ale finishes clean and subtle with grains of paradise, which accent the crisp wheat character. Iconic and refreshing, summer ale is perfect for any summer day. So you can tell why that would have been nice on the kayak today, but no cigar. And that is going to go up against... Oberon. And Oberon is a Michigan classic. Anyone listening from Michigan is probably going to be really mad at me if this doesn't win today. 
Um, but this is described also as a American wheat ale with a spicy hop character, mildly fruity aromas, and the color and scent of a sunny afternoon. Oberon is made with just malt hops, Bell Signature House ale yeast, and water. The result is a medium body and full flavor, making it the perfect beer for warm weather. So if you get the gist, they're both summer seasonal beers. So you're not going to be able to drink this in the winter, but they're not meant for the winter, so that's not a big deal. They're meant for the kayak that we did not drink them on. <laughs> Alrighty, you're cracking your first one. Which one are you going to start with? I think I'm going to start with the blood orange, personally. I'll start with the Sam Adams citrus weed ale, the summer ale. Y'all ready? And this time we're going to finish a whole beer before switching to the other one. We're not going to go back and forth. I love that sound. Oh, yeah, that would have been refreshing out there for sure. These surges are strong, 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 strong. Holy cow. Also, they only had the surge in a tall boy, so I probably will not be finishing this because I need to function after this podcast. Mine's pretty good. Um, I guess I'm not too familiar with blood orange flavored things, but the flavor definitely pulls through. I will say, though, I almost don't like how strong it tastes. Because when drinks are too strong, I don't know, I feel like they can make it difficult to just enjoy. I feel like comparing it to last week, that strawberry daiquiri is still very fresh in my mind as being very delicious. Once again, for the same amount of sugar. So... I don't know. I don't feel like it was as good as last week, but we're not comparing it to that. So I can definitely taste the flavor, though. Definitely can taste the blood orange. This summer ale is delicious. I poured it in a glass. I regret not doing it last week. I don't think it would have changed my mind on that decision. But beer, you know, it can just taste so different between bottle and glass. So I'm trying from both. And this is great. I'm sad I only have one of these in the fridge. Save some for me. I want to try some. Come try it. We are hooked to so many cords. Do you know mm. how much effort it takes to move? Like, no thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the the meat of our podcast. The meat of the sandwich, if you will, which will come up in a minute. We are doing take a side and a plate. The Greatest Food Debates. Hmm? What do you think of that title? But um So, I went on the interwebs and did some searching for some food debates that people have. The greatest food debates that people have amongst themselves. I am shocked by some of these, how they're even a debate. Um... If you are one of the people that are on the other side of things, on the ones that are the most shocking to us, please let us know why you do it the way you do it, or why you eat the things you eat. And as with any time we're going to discuss food on the podcast, I do think I have to make a disclaimer here. For full disclosure, I eat like a toddler, so I'm not going out of my comfort zone very often. I feel like I kept that in mind when I came up with the questions as well. First debate. Should chili have beans? Yes. So this comes up online a lot on like the forums that I post on. I don't get it. What's the big deal? Like why why are people so against having beans and chili? I think some people treat chili as like a sauce, like in Cincinnati. They treat it as like a sauce. They put it on top of spaghetti and put onions and cheese on top, which sounds delicious. But if I'm just having a bowl of chili, like I want the beans. I want the meat. I want it to be like a stew. You know what I mean? I'd much rather 10 times out of 10 have beans than those big tomato chunks some people put in their chili. 
yeah, I have to have my chili have very minimal tomato chunks, as Brian puts it, so that he'll actually eat it. I don't mind tomato. Like, I eat raw tomatoes all the time. It's like the warm, cooked, chewy, soft, whatever tomatoes that are end up in your food. I hate that. So leave that out of my chili. Put the beans in. Leave the tomatoes out. But yet you like salsa. A whole nother debate. So the same way that Cincinnati people are going to come for us on the last one, people from Chicago are going to be very upset about this one. Does ketchup belong on a hot dog? That's another one that doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. Yes. Like, why wouldn't it? I agree with you. Ketchup, mustard, relish. All three. And onions, if I'm able. But people in Chicago do the Chicago-style dog with, like, the um, pepper. And I think they put, like, a pickle and celery salt on it and mustard, I think. It's like eating a salad on top of a hot dog. No interest in that. If I wanted a salad, I'd have a salad. But I want a hot dog. Now, I am all for chili dogs, though. Those are delicious. And that is when chili should not have beans. I think anyone that says no to this question is just being extra. Or they're from Chicago. No, I don't care. If you're from Chicago, you can Google the classic hot dog, and there is ketchup on it. Like, deal with it. All right, all right. On the hot dog train. Don't at me on that one. That one's going to make me mad if you disagree. Like, I... If you don't like ketchup on your hot dog, that's one thing. Like I don't like mustard on my hot dog, but I'm not going to tell Kelsey that mustard doesn't belong on a hot dog. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it? Brian's all fired up about the hot dogs. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Now, me and Brian kind of discussed this prior to the podcast. In a way, it's like a sub sandwich. It's turned to the side. On what looks like sub bread with meat in the middle. So technically speaking, is it a sub sandwich? Okay, I don't think it's a sub, and I don't think it's a sandwich. If a hot dog is a sandwich, then then a bratwurst is a sandwich, and a polo sausage is a sandwich. Well, yeah, they're all the same bun. Nah, I'm. I don't know. I don't know what a hot dog is. Like, I don't know if there's aliens out there. I don't know a lot of things, but I know it's not a sandwich. And I don't need the answers. Like, I don't need the answer as to what a hot dog is. Eat it and be happy. I think sandwich is very loose in definition, so I think we're going to disagree on this one. I think I'm going to say, by the loose definition of sandwich, that a hot dog is a sandwich. Is a burger a sandwich is the next one. And I think we'd both say yes. Two pieces of bread, meat, and vegetables possibly in the middle. Now, I can be sold on a burger more than a hot dog for sure. Yeah. I'm not going to go out of my way to call a burger a sandwich. But you can convince me. I will say. (sighs) See, but where along the line did we decide that it's not a sandwich? Because a pulled pork sandwich is called a sandwich. It's still two pieces of bread. That's a bun with meat in the middle. Okay. Yep. See, I'm I'll buy it. A burger is a sandwich. A hot dog is not. Okay. Fair. I don't want to hear the word. Or I guess the two words, hot dog, for the rest of the evening. (laughs) Okay, the next one, you can read these, because this next one triggers me too. I don't get why, like... Why it's a debate? Yes, why is it a debate? Where do you put the cheese on a burger? On top of the patty. On top of the patty, yes, right? While the patty is still cooking. Some of you people would you unmelted cheese on top of your burgers. I don't understand it. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with that for sure. Um, I think it's asking, like, where did you put it, though? Like, underneath the burger or on top of the burger? If you put your cheese underneath the burger, you are un-American. That doesn't make sense to me either. The seltzer is too strong. I don't like it. Sorry. I just wanted to give an update. I'm loving this. Do you want the rest of this, what's in the bottle? 
bring it over. As you may know from our past episodes, me and Brian have to record separate from each other in the same room, but a distance away with blankets over the couch because, you know, that's just how we roll. Oh my God, that's amazing. You might be in trouble. Can you tell them why you think I'm in trouble? Because if this makes it against Boston Lager, I don't know if you can clearly say which one you're going to like better. This is very good. Can I keep this other half? Yeah, you drink that. It's even better out of the glass, so I'm keeping the glass. I'm sorry, this surge. If you're into straight vodka shots or whatever White Claw is, do your darn thing. Go for it. This is way too strong for me. I don't I don't like that. Nope. I don't want to say that it's going to lose because I haven't tried the other one, but I think the higher alcohol percentage just might not be for me. So we agree. Cheese goes on top to meat. And ideally, if possible, you put it on while the burger's cooking. Yes. Now, other people also that like those Juicy Lucy burgers might say that cheese belongs in the patty. But I'm just throwing out other possibilities. But I agree with you. It belongs on top of the patty, not inside of it, certainly not below it, on top. Which part of the chicken wing is better? So you got the flats. You know what I'm talking about when I say flats? You got the wings, that ones that look like a like a thigh with like, I don't know, a little ankle attached to it. <laughs> and then you've got the drumsticks. I'm gonna say drumsticks. Not only do you get the little crispy parts on the handle, but you get the most amount of meat, in my opinion, with the drumsticks. And it's less work. With the other ones, you kind of have to pick around the bone to get the pieces of chicken that are in between. Huh. Okay. So if I'm eating, like, baked chicken from KFC or something, give me the leg 10 times out of 10. But if I'm getting wings, I kind of like flats better. It just feels like – it feels more like wings. I'm going to let you have your opinion, but your opinion's wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean, though? It feels more like – it just feels like more like you're eating wings. No, because you always get like that little tendon part where the chicken's stuck in between. You got to like dig for it. Yeah, that's part of eating wings. Ugh, no. I would say if I'm at KFC, though, I'm getting the breast. That's the best deal. That's the most amount of chicken. Okay. Now here's the real debate. How do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? So I love milk, and I think milk with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is one of the best combinations of food out there. Like the milk just gets so much more refreshing when you drink it after taking a bite of peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it's because I like to load up the sandwich with peanut butter, so it's pretty dry. And you put on a good amount of jelly to kind of balance that out, but then the milk really washes it down. So I'm saying load up the peanut butter, match it with the jelly. And you need the glass of milk with it. And I am different. And after I told Brian how I feel about making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, he said that that explains why he doesn't like my sandwiches as much as he likes his own. To which I would say, make your own sandwiches then. Okay, (laughs) you make me sound like a dick. I did not say it like that. I simply said, oh, that explains a lot. She gives okay. me very bare sandwiches. I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter. I love it on everything. I love it with bananas. I love it on pancakes. I love it on waffles. Sometimes she'll steal Kira's Kong and eat it out of there. But I love it on like pancakes and waffles. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> I love it on pancakes and waffles when I'm also putting syrup on top. I feel like it can dry out the bread. Like the bread is already dry and then the peanut butter's dry. And like I don't like milk. So I don't have anything to kind of give me that refreshment that you speak of. So you got the two separate pieces of bread. 
but only one of them is getting anything on it because you put the peanut butter on just enough to cover all the corners, but not too goopy, you know, not not a thick layer, just a nice layer of peanut butter. Don't go too crazy. Then strawberry jelly, preferably, but I will accept grape. And you put it on top of the peanut butter and you put just a little bit more than you did the peanut butter. Then you put the other slice on top. You don't do anything to that slice until you bring it on top of the sandwich. Yeah, there you have me. You just got to get your ratios better. I'm hungry just thinking about it. I know. After every different question, I'm like, oh, we should have that for dinner. We haven't eaten dinner yet. Every question, I'm like, oh, we should grill burgers. Oh, we should go get wings. Ooh, wings. Don't tap me with a good time. We burned some calories trying to tow that boat for the five minutes that we thought it would work with our kayaks. They were grateful, though. They are grateful. Okay. On the peanut butter train, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? This isn't even a question for me. Smooth. Smooth, smooth, smooth. We don't need to throw another texture into the boat. I love peanuts, but no. If you want some crunch with your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, take some potato chips. Crunch it up. Put it in the middle. There you go. There's your crunch. Actually, I really like crunched peanut butter. I just am going from a practical angle. It is so much easier to put smooth peanut butter on a piece of bread. You put try to put crunchy on with a knife, and there's a 50-50 chance that piece of bread is ripping, and I don't like that. So, I mean, I like both. Serve me either one, great. I'm eating it. But in terms of making a sandwich... I'm going to take smooth because I'm lazy and don't want to screw up the bread. Are you bummed that I don't buy crunchy peanut butter then? Because I can't put crunchy peanut butter in Kira's Kongs. So it's like, it's the family peanut butter, you know? And nobody come for me for saying that it's gross that I use the same jar of peanut butter for our food that I do for Kira's Kongs. Because tell me your dog does not lick your face. Tell me that he or she does not do that. I don't believe you. Okay. Do you cut your sandwich diagonally or in half? Or do you not cut it at all? I don't feel the need to cut it. If I want a half a sandwich, I'll use one piece of bread and fold it in half. If I am making a full sandwich, I eat the full sandwich. I don't see the point of cutting it in half. Maybe if you have kids, it makes sense, but whatever. I don't have kids. Eat the whole sandwich. Save time. I completely disagree with your theory because it's so hard to like know where to stop putting your sandwich innards the innards of your sandwich like where do you draw the line of where is half of that bread does that make sense to you it will next time you do that no you it's easy on the bread you the inner if you look at a piece of bread like where the bread has the little hump it's like right in the middle like it's a nice little halfway point. <laughs> Go look at a piece of bread. You'll you'll see what I mean. You spread the peanut butter of the hump, match the jelly, and fold the piece of bread in half. And there you have a half sandwich. Regardless. I do diagonal. I feel like the edges of it are easier to eat when it's diagonal. And it's almost like a piece of pizza where you have your corner and then your wider point and then your corner. Diagonal all the way. I do like cutting my sandwich. I feel like I'm a really quick eater. Like I can eat really fast and I feel like it slows me down a little bit. So I do like cutting sandwiches. What do you call the end slice on a loaf of bread? I'm not sure. I just throw it away. So I've never, I can't remember the last time I talked about the end of the loaf of bread because in my mind they don't exist. As soon as I see it, I either reach past it and pretend it's not there. Or I throw it away. And I, that's what I do. I don't throw it away. I'm too lazy to throw it away. I just reach past it. I'm going to call it the end piece, but I agree with you. At the end of the day, you really should just call it trash. Or if you're one for feeding the ducks, duck food, because nobody's really going to reach for that end piece. When's the last time you freaking fed a duck? I don't know, but I'd love to. Should we go do that? Go get wings and go feed ducks with our evening. I think I've called it a butt in the past, but I don't really know because, again, in my mind, it doesn't exist. It doesn't line up with any other piece unless you line it up with the other end piece. It, it, it shouldn't even exist in the loaf of bread. I would buy a loaf of bread 
that is everything but the butt piece. And now I'm going to call it a butt piece because of you. I just said that. Please don't use the word butt piece. Butt piece. (laughs) That sounds really wrong. This podcast is rated PG, so... It is not. We have to market it as explicit. Because I keep saying butt piece. Anyways. (laughs) It's this drink. It's too heavy on the alcohol. What do you... I'm sorry. Is deep dish a pizza or a casserole? Chicago people, you're also going to come for me on this one. At the end of the day, like the hot dog and the hamburger, it's more of a casserole, especially depending on where you go, depending on where you go. Because you've got the deep crust, which I love, but it's not really a pizza crust. It's not curved over. Like, it's not rounded over. And then why are you putting sauce on top of the cheese? And the last one we had was Tomato Chunk Central. So Brian was picking those off. It was delicious. Once I got the tomato chunks off, it was really good. And yes, it's pizza. I don't, whatever. There's so many different types of pizza. A Lunchables is still a pizza. Can you pick it up? Yes. I ate that with my hand. I could not pick up that slice. You're stronger than you think. You could have picked it up. And once again, casserole is a very loose definition. There's so many things that are casseroles. I don't feel like. It's offensive to say that it's a casserole. It is not a casserole. It's a piece of pizza. It's just a thick piece of pizza. I disagree. Chicago people are really going to stop listening to us after this episode. Again, I feel like anyone that's calling Chicago pizza not pizza, I just think it's been extra. It's like the same people that make a big deal about ketchup doesn't belong on a hot dog. Chicago pizza isn't a pizza. Yes, it is. It's pizza. You're married to one of those people because I'm sitting here telling you I think it's more of a casserole. Yeah, but if you weren't drinking heavy seltzers over there, you'd be using common sense too. (laughs) Do you want to crack open our other one real quick? I'm personally ready to move on, and I know you are ready to move on because I have your beer over here. This is the White Claw Pineapple. And I already like it better. I like this a lot. This tastes like a seltzer with pineapple juice. It tastes delicious. I can like picture myself eating a pineapple when I taste this White Claw. And it's a bearable amount of alcohol taste. This is the clear winner of this week. This is really good too. I'm going to have a hard decision on this. I really like mine. I like that it tastes it tastes like a piña colada, but seltzer. It's very delicious. Now, I may just be saying that because I just compared it to one that I don't think I could take another sip of. But that being said, this one definitely wins the second week of Seltzer Showdown. Gabe gave me crap the other day because he said every time he listens to me do a beer review, I don't like the beer. Suck it, Gabe. Like, these are both good. Oh, I just don't know which one is better, though. I'm going to have to finish this before I give you my answer. Sit on it. Sit on it. Okay. Does pineapple, oh, that's funny, pineapple, belong on a pizza? No, 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 no. Easiest one of the day. No, next. Who likes hot fruit? Y'all are nasty. And on top of that, get rid of the Canadian bacon while you're at it. Hawaiian pizza in general should just go. Go, go, go. And I like pineapple. I just want to make that clear. What's the proper way to eat pizza? I'll go first. First, you break off pieces of the crust and you start there because it's the best part. Which you will dip in ranch. Yum. Then you go back to the point of the pizza and you start back there. So start with the crust, then eat it the traditional way, starting at the point of the pizza, which you will also dip in ranch as you see fit. Brian, any opinions? This just makes me annoyed to hear that. (laughs) The crust is the perfect, God-given, built-in, handle on a food ever made it's there 
for you to hold. You hold it at the end on the crust, and you get a little flop, and you eat the pizza from tip to crust. And yes, the crust is, depending on the pizza, is the best part of the pizza, and that's why you eat it last. What's the point of getting through it right away? And then you lose your handle. So now, you're, now your hand's full of sauce the rest of the day. That's why you eat the crust first. Because what if you get full halfway through the slice of pizza? Then you didn't even get to the best part. Who quits eating a piece of pizza halfway through? Me. Don't pick up the piece of pizza if you think you're going to be full b- before you get to the end of it. That's, that's dumb. If you think I'm weird, real quick, there are people out there, and you know who you are, who take the cheese off, scrape some of the sauce off, then put the cheese back on. Now those are the real psychopaths that you have to watch out for. No, for me, it's simple. Don't make pizza more confusing than it needs to be. Hold it on the handle. Eat the pizza. We're going to disagree on that. But do we disagree that you should dip your pizza into ranch? I know that I have converted you into liking that. So, If there is ranch available, I will sometimes use it. I don't. I really don't think it's needed. I don't think it's bad. It's good. But it doesn't make the pizza that much better. I would just as well dip the pizza in marinara sauce. But there's already tomato sauce on the pizza. I'm okay with it. No, I disagree with that. I think marinara sauce is good for like breadsticks because you don't already have a tomato sauce on your breadsticks. But I love ranch on everything. Chicken wings, pizza, fries everything veggies do you fold the pizza slice or not i'm gonna go with a no i didn't order a calzone i ordered a slice of pizza also what's the rush take your time if you fold it you're gonna get through it so much faster you're not even enjoying the pizza at that point yep i see no reason to fold it even if it's too floppy put one hand on the back of the crust one hand underneath to brace it take a bite and work your way down. You don't need to fold it. Just provide proper support to your pizza slice and you should be just fine. This one revs my engine. If you people are out there, oh my gosh. Do you eat mac and cheese with a fork or a spoon? Who's out there eating mac and cheese with a spoon? Fork all the way. And if you got the time, put a noodle on each prong. I'm pretty sure the people who invented mac and cheese had forks in mind when they made it. Like, the fork is the perfect utensil for mac and cheese. Use the fork. You're not eating other pasta with a spoon. Why would you eat mac and cheese with a spoon? And once again, what's the rush? Why are you shoveling the mac and cheese in your mouth? Like, calm down. Enjoy it. It's delicious. How do you pronounce, and you're about to find out how I pronounce it real quick, caramel. How do you pronounce caramel, Brian? Caramel. 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 That's how it's spelled. That's how it's pronounced. Caramel. And you say it fast. Caramel. Do you really say caramel corn? First of all, it's candy corn. (laughs) Caramel corn. Oh, like caramel popcorn? Yeah. Oh, like caramel popcorn, huh? Well, keep that in mind because how do you pronounce pecan? We talked about this the other day. Oh, no, 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 no. Did you say caramel popcorn or caramel popcorn? I said caramel. And hmm. I'm very disappointed in myself. But if I'm reading the word, I feel like I always find myself saying caramel because that's how it's spelled. I guess you could say that just like with our second question that I was leading into, it depends on the scenario. Because how do you pronounce pecan? We talked about this yesterday, and we both agreed. When you're saying, like, butter pecan ice cream, then you're saying pecan. But when you're saying pecan pie, look how I changed it. You're saying pecan pie. But I feel like if I'm just going to say the word, just saying the word, I'm going to say pecan. And if I'm just saying the word, I'm going to say caramel. 
I'd agree with that. I'm trying to read it from your list right now, and I'm reading caramel and I'm reading pecan. I think it depends on the scenario. You could argue this for a whole episode, probably. Do you dip your french fries in milkshakes? I have tried this with multiple milkshakes. I want it to be good. It sounds good, salty and sweet. But the milkshake just drips off the fry. It doesn't even stick to the fry. And then you just have a soggy, kind of sweet fry. Not worth the hype. I'm going to go with a no. I don't see the point of it. Eat the fry, then drink the shake. Eat another fry. Dipping it makes the fry soggy, which is disgusting. And they're both good by themselves. So why? I don't know. It just seems like someone did it once to be cool and everyone joined the wave. The fry would have to be so salty to even hold the salt flavor after dipping it in a milkshake. So that's a no for me. Do you put ketchup on fries or keep it on the side for dipping? I always keep it on the side for dipping. I'm a scenario kind of person. When they give you those little packets, there's just never enough to really make a proper pool of ketchup for the fries. So sometimes I'll just dribble it on top, especially if the fries are in like a basket where you can see all the fries. But if we've got like the pump of ketchup or your own ketchup bottle, I agree. I'm a dipper. It's just a risk first reward thing for me. No matter what food I'm eating, there's a solid 10% chance it's going to end up on my, like I'm going to end up dropping some of it. And if all those fries are drizzled in ketchup there's a good chance it could get real messy real quick y'all brian cannot car eat it's just a disaster i always have a tide to go pen right in my purse this one brian already gave me his answer and i think he's absolutely crazy do you split apart oreos or do you bite right into them ever since my childhood you split it apart to see which side catches the most cream when you break them apart then you eat that side first you slide the cream off with your teeth and then eat both cookies possibly dipped in peanut butter i don't think my answer is wrong i'm very curious to see if people i mean i remember doing that as a kid we would play a game like pick a side and if there's more cream on the side then you lose you know win or lose but as a tax paying adult I like to dip my Oreos in milk and then eat it. You know, it softens them up. You have to time it right. Otherwise, it might fall into the milk. Uh, then you have casualties. <laughs> might need a spoon. Not a fork. Leave the fork for the mac and cheese. Spoon for the Oreos that fall in the milk. Anyways, anyways, I like to dip my Oreos in milk. Eat them like that. Drink the milk. Delicious. Capiche. Oh, so soggy. So soggy. And the cereal. You do the same with cereal. Put way too much milk into your cereal then you got soggy cereal that is nobody not, wants it that is not on the list i feel attacked it's not on the list because it could be a whole episode we're moving on due to the fact that uh, do you also bite into your ice cream cones no disgusting it's the same thing no i that makes my teeth sensitive i'm not biting into ice cream cones oh. how do you how is it the same thing the two have nothing to do with each other i don't have the option to dunk my ice cream in milk and y'all, y'all, this next one is going to be <laughs> a battle. Edge or centerpiece of brownies? Centerpiece, Brian. Equal distribution of fudgy mushiness. Fudgy moisture. This is the third question that's circling back to the fact that I really like to drink milk. I like the edge pieces because they're a little drier and... It makes the milk more utilized, and it makes the milk more refreshing. So at the end of the day, you just like milk. You don't even like anything that you're accompanying with the milk. You just like milk. No, the the milk and the brownie are a good combo, but the milk and the brownie edge piece is a better combo than the milk and the brownie middle piece. Tell me you like those corners where it's so crispy and edgy that it doesn't even come off the pan clean? Ew. Ew, ew, ew. Pancakes or waffles? This one's easy for both of us, I feel like. Pancakes. Pancakes, pancakes, pancakes. Pancakes. Pancakes, pancakes. Do you twirl your spaghetti or cut it up? Are you people crazy? Twirl. Twirl, twirl, twirl. 
I think this is one of those things too that has to circle back to who does it? Who who cuts up their spaghetti unless they have kids? Yeah, because how are you going to get the noodle on your fork? What's the purpose of cutting up the spaghetti? I don't know. I'm speechless on that one. They're the same people that shovel in their mac and cheese with a spoon. Coke or Pepsi? Okay, as a standalone drink, I prefer like Coke, Diet Coke. But as a brand, I think that Mountain Dew is a clear second place behind the cola products. Um, I don't think Coke has a single soda that comes anywhere close to Mountain Dew on the spectrum of like, uh, you know, Batman and Robin. You know, Batman's the cola products. Mountain Dew is a legit Robin. Coke doesn't have that. Don't tell me Sprite. I can see Sprite coming out of your mouth over there. Sprite is not Mountain Dew. Not even close. Sprite. Do you really think that those two sodas, if you had a drink one the rest of your life, which one would it be? Oh, you are going to say Sprite. Between Mountain Dew and Sprite? Yes. Sprite. That's disgusting. Sprite, 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 Sprite. But yes, I like Diet Coke. I love a medium Diet Coke from McDonald's. Not a large. A medium Diet Coke from McDonald's. Delicious. Grand finale. Rank these French fry cuts in your preferred order. From best to worst. Crinkle, curly. Steak, waffle. Wedge, shoestring, or regular? I came prepared, so I will go first. Waffle is number one. Chick-fil-A waffle fries, delicious. Curly is number two. Real quick, I just realized Tater Tots is not in here, but they're delicious. I just want to do an honorable mention. So we've got waffle, curly. Then I'm going to go with regular. Followed by, hmm, steak. Followed by crinkle, shoestring, and wedge. Okay, there's a lot to take in here. I'm going to start with the OG. Number one, best cut of French fry is regular. And like I said, I don't steer too far out of my comfort zone. Like, why ruin a good thing? Regular fries are great. Um, keep them number one. After regular fries, I would say I'd say curly fries are next. Um, from there, let's jump to the the no thank you part of the French fry zone. Shoestring fries, no, I do not like fries if you have to grab eight of them to equal a decent bite of a fry. So shoestrings last. Yeah, wedge also. Down there with shoestring. I think crinkle and steak are pretty similar, and waffles a little bit better than that. So I'm going to go regular, curly, waffle, steak, crinkle, wedge, shoestring. We're pretty much the same. Just a couple flip arounds. The thing is, at the end of the day, it's all about the balance between soft and crispy. You don't want them too soft. You don't want them too crispy. All right. All of my Michigan friends, that's the end of the podcast. Turn it off. We have no music review that we're going to do in about three minutes here. None. We're done. See ya. Anyone that's still here, I like Sam Adams Summer Ale more than Oberon. <laughs> I was worried that would be the case. Oberon's delicious. I'm, I would never turn down an Oberon. If you see me, hand me one in the streets, I'll drink it with you. But that Summer Ale was really, really good. It is really good, and it's over here with me, where it belongs. My winner is a clear winner, and I don't have to kick out any of my friends for me to announce it like Brian did. Um, It's the pineapple white claw over the blood orange. Maybe if the blood orange flavoring was in a regular white claw, we'd be having a different outcome right now. 
I don't feel like we would, though, because I can taste the blood orange. I prefer the pineapple. So tune in in a few weeks. Um, the next two weeks are going to be completely different showdowns and battles. But about three weeks from now, we're going to have the winners from this week, which is Boston Lager Summer Ale is going to play against Milwaukee Brewing Company's Louis Demise in my bracket. And Kelsey's going to have... And White Claw Pineapple will be playing against Bud Light Strawberry Jackery. And before we move on past the beer subject here, Kelsey went through all of our old podcasts and she made a list of all the scores that we ranked any beer along the way. So she put that on our Facebook, on our link tree. If anyone doesn't know what a link tree is, it's like a, a link that you click on and it's like a, a tree with branches to all different types of ways to listen to our podcast or see things of ours. The link tree is available on our Facebook page and on our Instagram page. It sounds more confusing than it is. Um, click the link and it'll um, bring you to all of our stuff. It's like a one-stop shop, really. I mean, I love when other influencers that I follow have one of those because you can just find everything. You can find everything right away. It takes you right to where you need to be. I think for everyone that cannot find the link tree, um, mom, I'm looking at you. I will take a screenshot of it and post a picture of the, the updated scores. There are a couple that I really need to adjust, though. The very first two beers that we tried on the podcast in, uh, from my end were the Johnny Blood Red out of uh, Titletown Brewing and City Lights Coconut Porter. They are really, really good. And... I felt since it was so early in this in the podcast and the ratings, um, I unfairly gave them a lower score than it deserved. Uh, I think I gave them both something in the sevens. They definitely need to be bumped up to to high eights or better. Like Johnny Blood Red's gonna be in the episode next week, and it legit has a chance to take this whole thing down. So I don't know why I gave it a seven. Like I, I liked it more than I scored it, and that's that's a rookie mistake. So if the score you see in the link tree doesn't match what you hear in the podcast, that's why. That's fair, right? Oh, for sure. I also want you all to know that I lost sleep over making that because I started it way too late in the evening. Um, but yeah, well, speaking of ratings and speaking of them maybe not being fair. So we put a poll up on our Facebook so if you're not following us on Facebook, definitely go there. Um, we have more interactive things. And that's also where we do our lives as well. Um, but we put up a poll asking you guys which album we should review. Kind of like we did with Morgan Wallen's Dangerous Double Album. We had Taylor Swift, Fearless, Taylor's edition, or Taylor's version, I should say, against Luke Combs. What you see ain't always what you get. And that's his deluxe version of what you see is what you get. So yeah. he released what you see is what you get in 2019. And then last year during the pandemic, he came out with five extra songs that he threw into that album and released it as a deluxe edition. So. That's why they're similar names. Uh, if you try to search for one, you might get the other. So same CD. One just has five extra songs. And that's the one that we reviewed. And Taylor Swift, she also had original songs on her CD as well that she added years later as well. So. Will you explain the Taylor Swift thing? Because a lot of people probably don't know that story. Yeah. I'll try to make it quick because I don't want to put too much editing out there for Brian. Um, but basically, Taylor Swift, unfortunately, despite the amount of hit albums she has put out, um, does not own the rights to a lot of her music. Um, it's really sad. I imagine her being 16, signing this record deal, being so excited, and maybe nobody went over the details with her. So unfortunately, when she left, I believe it's Big Machine, they held ownership of the albums that she had released and the songs that she had released under them. They then sold them to Scooter Braun, who she is not a huge fan of, so there was a big debate with that. So basically, she's re-recording these albums so that she can, in a way, regain the ownership of these songs. I don't know all the technicalities and all the legalities of it, 
but she is re-recording. And let me tell you, it is so worth a listen. There are new original songs on the album, and also she puts new spins on the old songs. So for me, who has been a Taylor Swift fan since high school, it's so fun to hear the new spin on these old songs that I loved. So very exciting, but she did not win (laughs) our poll. So Brian was not forced to listen to the Fearless album on repeat for the last couple of days. So we listened to Luke Combs' album on our way to Chicago to see Brian's sister this weekend. And we also listened to it in the best place you can possibly listen to music, which was in our kayaks. So we've listened to these songs twice all the way through. I feel like we should go back and re-rate the Morgan Wallen album now that we've been able to listen to those songs more as well. Because you're going to kind of realize, like, when you give a song more of a chance, obviously the rating gets better. So, but that's for another day. So we're going to list our top five favorite songs off of this Luke Combs album, as well as our rating of those top five songs. If you want more of a breakdown, we're going to post a breakdown of the album from both of our perspectives onto our Facebook and Instagram. So what she means by that is that we're just going to give our top five songs each right now on the Facebook and Instagram. Um, I don't know if you saw what we did for Morgan Wallen, but I'll list all 23 songs and give them, uh, rank them one through 23, three different ways. I'm going to do Kelsey's one through 23 list, my one through 23 list, and then I'm going to average the scores and we'll do a combined one through 23 list. And the, the combined one is kind of cool because it's like these are going to be the top five or ten songs that we'll listen to in our car going forward. Because if it's a song that Kelsey really likes and I hate, we probably won't play it as much. But if it's a song that is number one on our combined our average list, um, I bet we listen to it all the time. So that's kind of what we're going with that. But for right now, top five each. So Kelsey, why don't you give us your top five and then I'll give everyone my top five. Perfect. So my number one of the 23 tracks that were on the CD is Cold As You, and it comes in at a 9.3. I did know this song before doing this review, but I just really like it. Um, It's a breakup song, but it's also a song that, like, you could just listen to in a bar on a jukebox while drinking with your buddies, which is exactly what I look for. In a country song. If it's not hitting me in the feels, it better be motivating me to party. So that's my number one, 9.3. At number two, we have a tie. Beer Never Broke My Heart with a 9.1. And then Without You featuring, and I might mispronounce this name, Amanda Shires, also with a 9.1. So those will take second and third place, respectively. I mean, you know, they'll occupy those spots. Without You is a completely new song to me, but he's thanking the people in his life that allow him to be successful at music. And that includes, in an original take, thanking his fans. Thanking his fans for getting the babysitters that watch their kids and for paying the money for the tickets and for driving to the shows that might not be right down the street from their houses and, you know, getting there and paying for overpriced beers and paying for overpriced food. He's thanking his fans for coming to his shows. And I think that's such an original thing for artists. You just don't hear it enough. You hear them thank you when they're accepting their awards, but it was so nice to hear it in a song. I think that's so unique. And Beer Never Broke My Heart is just such an epic, once again, breakup slash party track. Something you listen to at a bar while you're drinking with your friends, whether you're going through a breakup or not. It's just an epic song. Yes, it's very popular, but I don't think that takes away from how good it is. Number four, Better Together, has a nine. 
So as you can tell, all of my like top ones have very high scores. That one is just so meaningful. I just think of me and Brian when I hear that song and how we really are just better when we're together. You know, Brian and Kelsey, the dynamic duo. Even on like really tough days where we're not necessarily getting along all day, like we are meant to be together in my brain. So I can really relate to that song. And then my number five is Does to Me featuring Eric Church. I love Eric Church. And I relate to that song as well. Um, it's about like little things in your life that if you were to tell somebody else about them, they'd be like, oh, cool. But to you, those are the memories that really stand out. So those are my top five. So again, like when I, when I do my scoring, I'm trying to compare it to, um, you know, we do IMDb scoring a lot and I've explained this kind of scale the way I, the way I look at IMDb scores, whereas anything below a six isn't very good. Um, anything below a five is really bad. Um, but even the five range is probably a bad movie. Anything the six is, is usually watchable, usually genre specific. So a song in the sixes is a song that I'll listen to and be okay with. Um, anything in the sevens is something I consider a good movie or a good song. Anything in the eights is something I consider like a classic song. Like this song is, has stain power. And same thing with movies, obviously. And then anything that I give a nine or higher is something that I'll probably have in my playlists as one of my favorite songs. So... So my number one song is a song that Kelsey already mentioned, and it's Without You. And she already explained it really well, um, especially that third verse. Like, I was not expecting him to thank the fans and give the fans the credit at the end. Um, you know, we there's so many country songs out there where people thank their wives for the support or um, obviously talk about their parents. And that those are both awesome parts of the song. But for him to sit there and be like, I understand how coming to these concerts is, is not easy for everyone. And, and as people that go to a lot of concerts, it's awesome to hear, you know, the, the singer's perspective, like um, there may be 30,000 people there, but none of it would matter if it wasn't for us. So I really, I just really like that. And the song is good too. Like it's just, it's a catchy song. Number two for me is forever after all. Did you mention that one? Um, No, that one was not on my top five. I think that one is on the radio a lot. I know I've heard it before I listened to this album just now. It's just talking about how, like, no matter what it is, I mean, uh, example, one thing is a, is a Duracell. You know, Duracells last forever. Well, they don't actually last forever. Um, nothing lasts forever except for this person's, you know, Luke Combs or whoever he's referring to, their love with their spouse. So, so then number three for me, I gave an 8.6 to Beer Never Broke My Heart. And that's probably the most popular song on the album. Might actually be his most popular song that he has. It's really good. Uh, it really touches back to, I mentioned it last week on the podcast, because Luke Combs is like our generation's uh, punch back to all the vindictive country female singers that crap on men and every one of their songs. And it's a lot. Taylor Swift, Carrie Underwood, every one of them has multiple songs where they crap on men. And Luke Combs is finally like, doing it back a little bit feels good feels good kelsey's looking at me like that's not cool mm -hmm. don't give us so much material the number four for me is does to me featuring eric church i gave that one an 8.5 i think anytime you put luke combs and eric church on a song together it's gonna be like baseline eight so great song 8.5 and then number five for me is even though i'm leaving it's just a song about how even though if someone's gone, they are still right there with you. So those are my top five. So those are our top fives. If you want to see the rest of our lists, check out our Instagram and Facebook. They'll probably be up by, we'll have them up by Wednesday. Just a real quick comment as well. I feel like my number one and number two, which is also my number one, number two, and number three, they rank higher because I feel like I've been listening to those songs for so long. It just makes you rank them higher, which is why I feel like we need to listen to the Morgan Wallen album again, because the more you listen, the better they are, the more you like them. So I feel like that might influence why my ratings numerically were just higher than yours. Check out the Facebook and Instagram for a more detailed review. Bye, guys.